Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Richard Osborne and the Expert Language Trainer Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 15 of the Expert Language Trainer Podcast. I'm actually on my way back from the TPRS conference. If you don't know what that is, uh, check out episode 14 where I interview uh, one of the guys, the plenary speakers there, and uh, where I put up a ton of links to what TPRS is all about. And there, there were a couple of thoughts that were coming out of that and I think I want to address a couple of them maybe in, a, in two different podcasts. I don't want to keep them too long. I'm conscious that my podcasts are a bit long for, for your average listener. Um, so I wanted to deal with just with one question in this one, which was once again the question of legitimacy as a language trainer. Just something that keeps coming up again and again is, you know, the well, a question, actually it's the answer to a lot of questions. Legitimacy as a language trainer is not necessarily the question itself. I don't get a lot of people asking me, how can I be legitimate as a language trainer? What I get are people's resistance to things like, you know, I was talking to someone about how um, I'm doing training with a language network at the moment, with um, a language trainer network in France. And, you know, with the, that, the point has come up several times of how difficult it actually is to get freelance language trainers to come to free training. So. A freelance language trainer would openly say, I really like to do training, I'm interested in professional development, I want to get better and I would really like to do more training, but I, don't, I never have the time. And fair enough, I understand timing is an issue. But it's just a quantity of people who are invited to do something like that for free to come and, you know, for example, learn how to use um, Google Drive to, you know, stock your, store your lesson content or something like that. Um, it's just a, a surprisingly no, low percentage of people actually show up for the training or watch the video afterwards when it's, you know, we're recording it and putting it online. And there's a surprisingly low number of people who are actually watching it. And, you know, I can, I can offer training to people. And we, you know, I have offered training to people in the past and I've gone to training organizations who hire, you know, to hire teachers, freelancers, but also contracted teachers. And again, you know, they will show up for a training day, but only if it's, like paid for example like that's happened to me before where the school has had to pay them to come to do the training the school wants to invest in them invest in the training and also pays them to come which seems quite you know it seems really out there when you think about where teachers where trainers we're expected to be constantly developing ourselves and, and getting better because it's the nature of what we do we're teaching people how to learn so there's always new research there's not much known about it um, when you think about it when actually how much we need to know to do it well, um, you know, in the future, if one day it becomes uh, something that's really, really well known, then all of the millions of methods that are out there, uh, you know, a lot of them might cease to exist because you would actually finally have the evidence to say, well, no, what you're saying is the fastest way to learn language training or the most efficient way to learn language training is not because it doesn't follow, you know, the scientific evidence behind it. And we have some, but not enough. Um, so I'm saying that. I can't actually remember what the point I was trying to make was, but um, that you know we need to, yes we need to develop ourselves as language trainers. That was it. We need to keep developing ourselves, and I think we know that we feel that. But it takes a lot of effort to get a language trainer into training, and 
you know, I guess the easiest thing to think, and obviously it's not true, is, oh, well, language trainers are just, you know, maybe they're a bit lazy, maybe they just don't have enough time, or they say they don't have enough time, but, you know, really they just don't want to bother, or they're kind of stuck in their ways, or they're stubborn, they think that they're doing fine as it is, and they don't need to change, or something like that. Um, and I sort of thought that can't be true. You know, there's a lot of these people are people I know, like, and respect. Um, as colleagues that I've worked with, it can't be true. So we keep digging and digging. And that's when this, this point about legitimacy came up where, um, you know, I started trying to solve a lot of problems that language trainers were having uh, to remove a lot of the objections that I was getting to doing training and to, you know, moving online, for example, and trying to do stuff online, which is kind of a no-brainer today that's where it's going we have to integrate with tools we have to start using online tools we don't have to start necessarily creating self-study or anything online but we certainly have to get into using the tools to facilitate our lives to facilitate our learners lives it's just a no-brainer um so you know it's obvious i'm trying to i'm trying to teach people how to do that i'm trying to help them um for a relatively low cost you know the, the most recent training i'm doing which is about social media and um, creating stuff on my platform learnbook like creating online um guided self-study courses as I call them um, it's only 50 bucks for eight weeks so you know I'm trying to, to, to price point it at a place where it's not going to be restrictive for many people there are obviously some countries in the world where it's still very difficult to afford even 50 euros but you know any of our European colleagues or um, you know Americans or whatever that's you know there's that's a price point where you can't really say that it's the price that's putting you off you know um, and I'm still able to to justify doing it I'm not just doing it for free uh, so you know I've, I've removed that problem and so once that's all out of the way and you know that the, the, the training was originally how do you use a platform to create online courses and that the, the objection that eventually came up was yeah but I mean who's ever gonna look at my courses who's ever gonna you know what what right do I have basically to create an online course you know what are people gonna think of it are they gonna think this is dumb if I put that out there and other teachers can see it for example you know are they gonna think that I'm stupid are they going to think that my meth is not good are they going to laugh at me it's all these kind of self-esteem issues that you realize wow okay of course we all have self-esteem issues and that's a that's a global thing for every professional that we always have to kind of overcome how we see ourselves we have to be really happy with what we're doing and really proud of ourselves and etc that there's also this issue of um that you don't feel I mean it's, it's worse for us it's worse for language teachers because we're not feeling legitimate and that's the word I want to really keep using because I think it actually sums it up really well we're not because I used to use credible but I think legitimate is better because I'm really saying there's something missing in my CV in my profile that means I'm not allowed to do what I'm doing you know that for me legitimacy has that meaning I shouldn't really be allowed to do what I'm doing so I'm kind of hiding away from it I'm hiding away from the world, hoping that nobody's going to sniff me out and, you know, call me out as a fraud, um, you know, call shenanigans on what I'm doing uh, because I don't feel legitimate because I have a CELTA, but I did the CELTA, it was four weeks, you know, I did the CELTA myself, you know, I'm talking from my own experience here because I did the CELTA, it was a four-week course, I felt good about what I did in the CELTA, but then you get into the real teaching world and you're like, oh God, I don't know anything, I don't know thing one about teaching, I got the basic tools like somebody gave me a tool belt but they didn't tell me how to actually you know and they, they told me how to turn the spanner but they didn't actually didn't get that much chance to actually turn it and so now i'm in a, i'm in france you know i arrived in france 
and got thrown into my first teaching job and all the teachers around me were just pulling lessons out of their sleeves and saying, yeah, yeah, I'm going to teach this guy for two hours and uh, yeah, I know exactly what I'm going to do with him. And I was thinking, God, I, I aspire to be like that. You know, at, th- at that point, you really don't feel legitimate. At that point, you feel like, whoa, these people have way more experience than I do. Um, and eventually, you start to build up your lesson bank because you learn on the job the way that people react to certain things, the types of profiles of learners you're going to have. And you start to see a lot of patterns. And I think that's, I'm very good at pattern recognition. I'm very good at figuring out a pattern and working out how to do it better or like how to really harness its energy and do it, you know, to the best it could possibly be done. I've always been like that. And so I very quickly, you know, two, three years in, I was like, okay, I'm a really good language trainer now. How can I take this further? Um, So I got that feeling, not of legitimacy, but of I want to become more legitimate. I feel like I'm ready to be legitimate. I'm ready to take whatever training there is there to get a stamp to say you're legitimate. And that was for me the Delta. So the Delta, if you know, Celta Delta, Cambridge ESOL, I've talked about them before. Um, they're exams that are like training courses plus exam that you can do at the end of which you get a proper certificate from Cambridge ESOL, which is not Cambridge University. It's a sub part of Cambridge University, um, their English learning section. Um, and you know but that that gives you the delta certainly gives you a feeling of some sort of legitimacy but again you very quickly come to realize that you now have legitimacy within the language training circle so if another teacher wants to hire you to teach them a language fine but if you go to a client and say hey i've got the delta not a single goddamn person in the world will know what a delta is you go into ibm to the training manager and you say take me over that other guy there who's charging half the price because I have a Delta and they'll say I don't know what that is so do you have a university degree is it something from a French school you know they'll maybe know about the French language stuff but not English teaching stuff they just all they care about is how much experience have you got you know what are your testimonials I haven't even been asked for testimonials in the past it's what's your price and uh, how long can you do it in and what can you offer me it's really just looking at how much you cost and how professional you seem and you know, I've heard stories about people who are super professional, really well-trained teachers going up against other teachers who are just clowns. Sorry, not naming any names, but I've heard stories. And uh, the clown wins because the clown seems like a lot more fun. And you, as you're, you know, somebody who knows how to do a really good training course, really professional, whatever, gets pushed out because you have what you consider as legitimacy and suddenly you realize in the world, it's actually the world that decides how legitimate you are. It's the people you're trying to sell to who decide how legitimate you are, not you. So, you know, maybe that's a, that's a, it's a good point in general that I've heard a lot of business people talking about in the world of business podcasts as well, that we are no longer in the world where walking into a company and saying, yes, I spent three years at Harvard Business School, that doesn't have the same impact as it had before. Legitimacy is not coming necessarily from the certificate that you pull out of your pocket when you're in a job interview. And, you know, this is widely talked about in the world of, in the world of recruitment uh, is talking about talent development. And today, you know, if you want to get hired, people are telling you, you absolutely have to develop your soft skills, right? So you need to be a better communicator. You need to be better at teamworking. You need to be better at, you know, empathy, um, doing human business, things like that. You know, really being able to sell yourself on that you have a character difference based on whatever 
new training you've done or experience you've had that makes you better than the other guy who may have gone to Harvard Business School but wasn't able to come across in the interview as a very human kind of guy, came across as a very salesy kind of guy or whatever, um, whatever industry you're in. And you know, you're, you're much more impressive because you came across as someone who's going to bring a lot of value to the company, not just in revenue, but in morale and in ambiance and in um, the way it's going to make other people feel and that you're going to have an impact on your team and you're going to make everyone feel good, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that whole shift, I think, is well known and why not? You know, I'm not an expert in that, but why not apply that to language training? I feel like that has an, an implication for language training as well because um, we're talking about I'm a better language trainer because <clears throat> what is there out there that can show that you're actually a better language trainer? Not a certificate, not um, not necessarily testimonials, but you know, yeah, something out there that kind of serves as evidence of what you've done now. For me, what I see in the online world is, you know, I'm getting contacted or I'm in contact with people on LinkedIn outside of the language training industry. And I'm having meetings with people who are coaches in lots of different things. So coaches in LinkedIn, um, coaches in, you know, I had um, a really nice conversation with Rob Seidelman, um, who is in the, is in the education sector, is in that sort of private um, secondary education sector in the United States in San Francisco um, and you're hearing these things from all these different places about what it means today to be um, to be noticed to be legitimate to be um, to sell yourself and you know looking at what should there be on your LinkedIn profile for example to make you look the part to make you bankable sellable whatever it is you want to call it and it's a lot about what do I do who am I what am I doing what do I do? What am I doing it with? Um, you know, why am I doing it? And, and really being honest about what you're doing, explaining it, giving some evidence, putting up some videos that you've done, putting up some articles that you've written, um, you know, showing how you engage with the business community. You've got your our, um, activity on LinkedIn, which shows all the comments you've made recently. So people could go back through and actually read everything you've said. If you're an, an active, engaged person on LinkedIn, then somebody can read everything you've said on LinkedIn to other people and see a genuine, like verifiable example of how you talk to other people in the business world, how you interact with potential clients, how you interact just for the sake of furthering your industry, becoming better known or whatever. And for me, when you look at that, there is no better proof of legitimacy than that, right? Now that's just from your business perspective. We're in language training, so we have another layer to that because you know, it's not like maybe LinkedIn coaching or something where it's quite high priced and it's something you want to you want to not not protect your secrets necessarily, but you don't want to give it away for free because it's something you've taken a while to develop. It's required a lot of investment and expertise and um, you don't want to just give it away for free. That's what you want to monetize. Now, as language trainers, I, ha I had the feeling when I was a language trainer that going to conferences like the TPRS one, a lot of these people are there not selling a product. A lot of these people are there. Somebody... You know, Diane um, Ayen flew in from the United States to Agen, little place in the south of France. Big conference, you know, over 100 teachers. So cool conference, but, you know, this is not like the huge expo or something like that. You know, it's a nice, intimate, even at 100 teachers, I consider that to be an intimate conference. She flies over from the United States because she really cares about the methodology. 
you can tell that she's a huge advocate of um, Stephen Krashen's work and she wants to share that with other teachers for the benefit of those other teachers. This is altruistic work at its purest form and you can feel it and it really makes you as a listener feel good. It makes you want to contribute something back in return. It creates this great community feeling. Um, and so we as language trainers, I feel in my experience, um, for myself as well, we're a very altruistic bunch. We really like giving away for stuff for free. Too much, in fact. Um, you know, we're very empathic by nature as language trainers. Um, you know, we, we, we like to connect with the people that we're training because we want to develop a relationship with them because we know developing a relationship with the person you're training is going to make them more receptive to training because they're going to feel more comfortable. We talked a lot about that today, and I'm going to do another episode specifically on Krashen's theories, one of them being effective filter, which is that you can have um, this kind of wall thrown up by a student, this emotional or like, you know, um, subconscious wall thrown up when you put them under too much pressure or stress in a class. So if you've asked them to do too much or something that's way too way above their level, they don't want to actually answer and you're pushing them to do it, they're going to throw up a wall and just, they'll just cop out because they already have a language they speak. You know, if you're teaching adults or even kids, they already have a language so they don't need you know, to sit and listen to your your BS about how you have to speak the second language. They're just like, nah, forget it. I'm going to speak my first language. I know you understand it, my teacher. So, you know, try any kid who's been tried to, you know, any kid who's been forced to speak the language of a parent who speaks another language and just, you know, consistently replies to them in the second language until the parent just gives up. I've had colleagues like that where their kids just were so stubborn about speaking their language they wanted to speak the native language of the country where they were living not the parental language not the mother tongue um, and they just gave you know at one point the parents were like I gave up I have too much stuff to do I'm not gonna fight this kid forever and so now the you know parent speaks in English and the kid speaks back in French for example so um, you know there, there's there's this there is definitely you know there there is absolutely truth to it and you know there's research about Krashen's theories and um, but you just experience it. I experienced it myself, and uh, colleagues experienced that too. Um, so creating that comfortable environment by creating rapport and building a relationship with that student is making them feel comfortable to the point where they're not throwing up their effective filter. They're remaining very open to your comprehensible input. It's another thing we'll talk about. And the language acquisition process, the subconscious process, should be facilitated. Like, you know, never say accelerated. Because accelerating a acquisition, an acquisition process, for me, in my experience, and as a language learner and a language teacher, has a lot more to do with the emotional variables, the environmental variables, the contextual variables, um, what's going on in that person's life at that moment, where are they, how important is it to actually use that language at that moment or in the near future or in the distant future, how far, um, you know, how much how good is the relationship with the trainer how good is the relationship with the other class members how good is their relationship with themselves how much do they like themselves do they have confidence in their ability etc etc i could go on for you know an hour about that um you know all of these things count so we're trying to minimize you know we're trying to open that effective filter and facilitate the acquisition process not accelerate it necessarily i don't think putting someone in a comfortable environment can accelerate i don't think being sort of letting them take charge and whatever can accelerate it. I think that that can keep the effective filter down so that they're consistently open and that's great. 
uh, that's what you want. It's basically, for me, it's kind of a black or white, and that might annoy some people. And I, if you want to disagree, that's fine. But I see it as either the filter's up or it's not. You know, some people might say it's a scale. I would say you've you've either got their attention and they're open to acquisition, or they're not. Um, you've you've pushed them too hard, and now they're just not learning anything anymore. They're just they've just shut down. Um, so you know, we want to keep that effective filter down. We want to make them feel comfortable. So the easiest way to do that is being empathic. Now, does that mean that teachers learn how to be empathic through that necessity? Or does it mean that teachers are drawn to being um, teachers, language teachers, because they're actually, at the core, empathic? Um, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not gonna give my opinion on that. I don't know. I know that I'm empathic at the core, and I was drawn, I it wasn't drawn to language teaching because of that, but I absolutely decided to change it from a traveling job to a permanent position because I had finally found something where I could absolutely take advantage of my empathy in a really meaningful way, had a huge impact on people that I felt, that I saw, and I got the thanks and whatever. And so, you know, the empathy rewarded and that feels great. So, you know, I think we are an empathic lot. So the point being, we're empathic, that means that we're not very good at being business people, first of all. Second of all, um, because we're not good at being business people, it's great. We have lots of conferences where people are giving away loads of their best free information with no strings attached, expecting nothing in return, with no sort of um, training offer behind it or some sort of course behind it. Like, you know, I'm guilty of a lot of the stuff that I say has a course behind it, but not with legitimacy, not as much. Um, I mean, I'm trying to give away advice here in this episode uh, for, to, to give you a way to be legitimate for free. Uh, so I hope I hope that that's what your takeaway is, um, but we're not good. We're not good business people. We're not good at doing monetizing things. Let's put it that way. We're not good at monetizing things. We're we're really that's like opposite to our nature. If something helps other people, we're empathic. We want that thing to help them, and I think that's great, right? I'm going to tell you. I would, you know you may think I'm coming up to saying and I'm going to tell you how to be more like a business person. I'm not because I think you do need to be more like a business person when it comes to selling language courses. You know, don't teach somebody English for free. Coach somebody in English for free, or whatever. Um, but I think there is something absolutely vital in giving away value. And anyone you talk to in the marketing world will tell you, if you want to be successful at LinkedIn or Facebook to a lesser extent, but certainly LinkedIn. You know, maybe Facebook groups, for example, if you're in teaching groups, that could be a place to give away value. But definitely, LinkedIn is a place to give away value. Instagram as well, but you might not find your niche very easily in teaching English on Instagram. Um, you know, it's, it's more for like learners. So focus on uh, LinkedIn. Um, giving away value on LinkedIn for free, it's a way to build your brand. And everybody will tell you that on business blogs, not language training things. They'll say, you need to be pushing out five bits of content on LinkedIn a day. And every bit of content needs to be meaningful to the niche of customers that you're trying to target but it has to be detached from your commercial offer. You have to think about how it could be monet- your brand could be monetized. What is the vessel in which your brand is packaged in? So I get to know you, or you get to know me as Richard Osborne, the teacher who talks incessantly about teaching methodologies and what it, his experience of teaching and whatever. But what is that packaged in? And you can see behind, if you go to my profile, the package is, if you like what I say and you've, you've particularly like the stuff about online training well that's something I actually have for example if you think oh I really like what he's saying and I would like him to train me in 
you know, TPRS or Crashen's methods or something, I would be, I would be like, no, I can't do that. But you know, keep listening to what I'm. I don't have a training course for that. I don't have a product for that. But keep listening to the podcast, and I'll keep giving you free information about that because I'm happy to do that. I'm giving away all that stuff for free, my experience, and all the the things I'm doing for free. Because that's for me that I want that to be my brand because it makes me feel good. It makes me tap into that empathy engine that really made me happy as a language trainer and made me feel fulfilled in my career as a language trainer. I would like to still hold on to something that taps into empathy and I feel like sharing with other language trainers is that. So focusing on you as a language trainer, um, you can be giving away value to other language trainers. You can be giving away value to language learners, whatever it is, you know, for example, if you, if you think you've got a really good classroom method with your board work, you think my board work is great, anybody who did my board work would really improve their teaching, then why not take a video of you doing a class, doing your board work, and then stick it up on the internet, get the permission of the learners, or don't film the learners, just film yourself with the learners in the background, and then stick it up on the internet and, and show people what you're doing, and maybe cut it down into smaller clips. You know, that's the, the best advice for how to win at social media is to have you know, from Gary Vaynerchuk, the guy who promotes this idea is <clears throat> to have long form content, which would be that you record an entire class full of interesting tidbits. Say you record a whole class and you've got lots of interesting things you've done, like lots of activities. You've done three, four different types of activities. You've given out three, four different worksheets. You've, you know, your, your board work was great and there were three different sections to it. Then that one hour video cut that down down into um, little sort of digestible 60 second bites or for example for LinkedIn it could be a two minute bite LinkedIn has a limit of 10 minutes don't go near that limit because that's you know it's really the limit of people's attention for videos for example podcasts like this one yeah I keep saying I have to cut it down but I can't because I just can't stop myself rambling and talking I feel like it's important stuff I feel like if you've got this far you might still be getting little nuggets of value out of what I'm saying. And podcasts are things that people listen to in long form, uh, in general anyway, still, because they're listening to it in the gym or in the bus or whatever, so they have time. Um, but like videos, they're, you're fla they're flashing by as you're scrolling through your LinkedIn, so it's a different medium, uh, and you need to adapt. So people say, you know, two minutes, one minute, 32 minutes is the sweet spot for a video, not longer than that, because people won't stay that long. So. If you can cut out, not cut down, but cut out little two-minute slots that exemplify something that you did, those three activities, cut out a little two-minute slot that just shows you setting it up and then like attach the PDF worksheet that you did to that and post that, it's going to give enormous value to other language trainers. Potentially, it's going to give value to language learners as well because they'll be able to take something away from it. It's one of the thoughts I had today while I was watching Diane do her uh, Mandarin session was... I've been I've just waltzed in here didn't even attend the morning part of the session just came in for the one hour little short ending bit about you know we were talking about pandas it was great fun in, in Chinese um, and I felt like shit if I keep watching this woman I want to learn a lot of Chinese I'm I'm feeling it like I'm, I'm itching to say something I was a spectator so I wasn't allowed to what well, I lied to I wasn't supposed to participate um, you know, it was the students who'd seen the morning bit, but I was looking at the sentences and I was thinking, God, I actually understand what they're doing there. I've understood the activity. I can see the words on the board. I think I can, I, I'm sure I can make a sentence. I had so much confidence after a little silent period, again, another crashing thing, 
very short silent period and I'm like, I could say I like chocolate in Chinese. I could say that guy likes chocolate. I could say he doesn't like chocolate. Oh, I, I, I really, I wanna, and you get that feeling of like, yeah, I'm smart. I wanna show people I'm smart. And so you wanna get that positive moment out of that. Um, and I felt like if you put this online, if you had a video of this for beginners learning Chinese, I bet you if you did a, a series of videos like this, short bits like I just watched this morning, you know, got the long form, which is the lesson, you know, that could be the course content of something you're, you know, either you're selling for cheap or you're giving it away for free because it's self-study, so you, know, you don't need to be involved. Um, and then you're cutting, you so you've got your one hour thing that we did this morning, and then you're cutting that into little bits, little sentences, and you've got the Chinese um, words that are necessary underneath it, translated into English, and that's it. You've got a little one minute bite of how to say the panda likes chocolate, and you've got that underneath. And then the next video is going to be, I like chocolate. And then the next video is going to be how to say, I don't like chocolate and etc. You know, there was a thing about the panda has babies. So that could be another video and all these little, and you know, all the while they're linked to the longer form thing, the one hour, you know, full lesson thing where you can get genuine value. So people are attracted to what you're doing through these little bites that you're sticking on LinkedIn once, twice, three, four, five times a day, if possible. Um, and then they're going to the longer form thing and they're actually watching it and they're thinking, I want to do this whole course. And either the whole course is free or they pay like 20 bucks on Udemy or something like that. Or you've got to host it on your own site. You know, it's on a, I don't know, you know, you've got a WordPress site, for example. You know, if you can, if you can um, get your head around using WordPress on a hosted system, I'll give you an example, which is, um, is it Bluehost or HostGator or Site5 or something like that, where they'll give you a, you know that you sign up for five euros a month and you can click a button and it'll install WordPress for you all you have to do is configure it it's really easy like a menu with the what's the name of your site and whatever and then you download something like LearnPress LearnPress is a free LMS learning management system but where you could just do the really really simplest possible thing and stick up videos or you know if you can figure out how to do it on pages that's also good you know just make a, a page for each video but I think it's better to do it on the LMS side because it manages it better it, it you know it keeps track of who's done what better who's registered for what and who's made what progress and etc you know that could be interesting for you to know how, what's working what's not working what people are interested in what they're not interested in um so take a look at it take a look at wordpress on a hosted service like um host blue or bluehost or whatever it's called it's one of the most popular ones and cheap ones um and then just you know see put up some of those um one hour long lessons you're doing you're doing them anyway so just record them and stick them up uncut right don't go down the road of people who you know cut them and cut out the silences and adjust the volume or whatever just do it raw and uncut if it's comprehensible it's fine um, stick it up there and people are going to get value out of that if you're attracting them into it and if afterwards and this is the key to really succeeding at this final part after the, the social media part getting the online course part is that they have some way of interacting with you so they can leave a comment they can actually say the sentences themselves that would be the ideal that's the kind of thing you can do with padlet yeah okay you can do it with my platform learn book fine you can also do it with padlet padlet is free uh, free for up to three boards and after that you have to pay um yeah it's like eight euros a month or something stupid like that um but the, the people who come and, and participate in that can actually record themselves so they can practice this, the expressions that you've done in the class and so maybe they record the eight different sentences you were drilling in the class themselves saying it so when they get that itch like i did today they don't just have to stay silent they can actually say something into the microphone and you can check it afterwards or the the 
community community you're working with can check it or whatever you know peers can check it um, whatever your system is um, and that person feels good because they've actually produced something even if nobody checks it they feel good because they've produced something and I think that's important don't just assume they're going to do it at home in front of the computer it doesn't work you feel like you're talking to thin air I've done it myself in learning a language I just felt like I was talking to thin air didn't want to do it anymore speaking to a computer that analyzes your pronunciation freaks me out I didn't want to do it it's weird talking to a computer feel like a looper so get them to record something and post it there's an incredible feeling for me having done that as a learner too there's an incredible feeling of pressure when you're recording your voice it's going in the internet and you know that someone's going to hit play and listen to it suddenly that human element gives this enormous amount of pressure um, to go and listen to that you know to actually record something good and so you prepare for it you think about it and you do much more work and you're much more motivated and it'll be a much stronger memory afterwards then after you've produced and you've done something under you know a reason an acceptable amount of stress a livable amount of stress a bearable amount of stress um that makes you feel like you've done something good and you're not too stressed about it so you'll remember that right especially if the person then responds and gives you feedback or just says well done or whatever you know just a text response well done from the trainer you're like whoa it was the trainer who i saw in the video that's her name she left me a message so cool you know that's that thing that thing really changes what people think all of this to say once you've got there once you've got the profile you've got the long form content whether it's free or it's paid whatever you've got the long form content you're pushing out the short form content what does that mean it means that after a month or two of doing this You've got a ton of content on there. If anyone were to want to know what your credibility, what your legitimacy as a language trainer is, like that woman I watched this morning, I watched her for an hour. I would have no doubt in my mind of the legitimacy of her language training. I don't know what qualifications she had. I don't even know. Okay, I do know if she went to China. But even if I hadn't known that she had gone to China, I would still consider her legitimate because I saw what she did. I felt the learning. And I was like, this, if I follow this person, this is going to be good training for me, right? So for me, language training has that advantage. We are empathic. We don't mind giving away stuff for free. And then you can give away that stuff. You can, you can, just, you can just give in to that feeling. You can scratch that itch, give away your stuff for free or bits of it for free or something paid behind it, but a lot of it for free. And then you're going to attract people in who are going to immediately consider you credible because you've got a hundred different short one minute videos of you teaching that if you watch four, five, six of them, you see the, the quality of this person and you feel the legitimacy because you feel the learning. And that's what makes a language teacher legitimate. They're legitimate when there's somebody who can make you learn something and you just feel, I'm gonna learn. This person is just, they're just sweating learning. They're just, you know, it's, it's coming out of them like a vapor and I just have to breathe it in you know this is that kind of person and most language trainers are like that most good language trainers expert language trainers are like that so you putting that content on there is going to give you credibility legitimacy and you will make your brand through that you will do the business thing as well as solving the legitimacy problem as well as solving the I would love to do my own online course to make passive income but I don't know how to do it problem where you won't make 100% passive income because I'm telling you you have to be involved you have to have some interaction because that's the nature of language that's the nature of exchange and conversation even if it's in self-study it has to still come with someone else who gives something back um, to what you've produced but 
you will solve all of the problems potentially that you feel with your own legitimacy through that you don't need to do a CELTA it's still good to do a CELTA I think you know I, I talked in the earlier episodes about um, people you should read like Thornberry and Krashen and um, Michael Lewis and you know whatever Crystal um, these are all people that you should definitely read to continue to professionally develop yourself which I believe you should should absolutely do but you don't need this to be legitimate you need this to be a good language trainer right and then when you put your videos up that will give you your legitimacy the proof in the pudding that everybody can see that might be a scary concept I don't really have that much advice for that get over it and just stick it out there because it will if you're a good teacher and your learners like you other people seeing it online will like it too and you will just get legitimacy you will just be legitimate and there will be no doubt there will be no questioning no criticism just boom I'm out there I'm one of those teachers who's out there therefore I'm legitimate and nobody can question it I really really believe that uh, I'm trying to do that for myself I feel myself like I'm making myself legitimate through what I'm doing not as a language trainer because I felt like a legitimate language trainer already and that's why I'm sharing my advice with you because I really went through the problems and the, the issues and got there um, through doing what I did doing online courses and stuff like that but I'm trying to be legitimate as a teacher trainer as well as somebody who's coaching teachers to do social media somebody who's coaching teachers to create their own online courses and a win at selling them on LinkedIn and Instagram um, you know that's I, I want to build legitimacy through that because that is something that maybe a year ago I wouldn't have felt that legitimate about and it's been in the last few months that I've started talking to a lot of people and doing a lot of uh, putting out a lot of content um, relatively speaking I want that to increase that I started I've started feeling more legitimate and I so I'm telling you from two different career paths that I've had that this is something that works for feeling legitimate and having other people consider you legitimate people who meet me will look at my LinkedIn profile and say yeah okay this guy's legit when I say okay I've done this article and I've got this podcast and whatever it's the evidence enough that I can say you can go listen to it if you want proof go and listen to it and you'll see the kind of stuff I'm saying you'll know what I'm like as a trainer you'll get the raw experience I don't cut these things they're just pure me rambling for half an hour if you can sit through it you will get le how legitimate I am and I, I have no fear about that anymore so I, I really highly recommend try it out okay you don't I'm not telling you what you should do I'm telling you if you try it I would be very surprised if it doesn't have a very positive impact on your life and I'm giving you a way to do it for free so try it out and I would be really happy and really looking forward to seeing a lot of you popping up on my LinkedIn with content the way that I've told you to do it it would make me do a little dance so uh, I really hope to see you soon take care and speak to you later thanks for checking out this podcast and if you want to know more please follow me on LinkedIn on Instagram on Facebook on YouTube all the links are in the description I really look forward to seeing you in the next episode